0: Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation free trial of my zero-time-selling interactive online training. And I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time-selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then, my zero time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word trust, that's T R U S T, to 96,000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96,000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message trust and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. a business and market strategist and founder of Outsell Yourself. Kelly is also the author of a book called Outsell Yourself, Go From Hello to Sold with Ethical Business and Sales Techniques, and was recently voted one of the top 10 small business influencers in 2015 by Small Business Trends. You know, there's an eternal truth in business, maybe in life as well, and the truth is that if you're standing still, you're falling behind. That if you aren't growing, if you're just trying to protect what you've achieved, then you're in danger of becoming complacent, and complacency has been the death of too many small businesses. So one benchmark is that your business has to grow at least as fast as the market you're serving just to sustain yourself. And if you want to grow your business, you have to outpace the growth of the market. Well, my guest today, Kelly McCormick, is an expert in helping small businesses plan and execute their way to growth, and she's going to help us sort out what you need to do in your business. Kelly, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So take a minute, introduce yourself beyond what uh, what I
1: said. Well, uh, I am a serial entrepreneur and have been self-employed. Um, I think since age five—that was unofficial.
0: <laughs> you weren't getting a, a paycheck then.
1: Uh, no, nickels, paid in nickels, but it all counts. I had—I've always had small little business enterprises, and I had my first official business when I was 21 years old. And it, um, however, I need to qualify that because I knew nothing about business, was very young, underfinanced. And uh, running on a lot of fear. But boy, I sure learned a lot. <laughs> what was that business? Uh, retail sporting goods. So now I can add another caveat. I was also in the worst shape of my life. It was a perfect, perfect recipe for success. So you, and, had, a,
0: you had a retail store.
1: Yeah, it was small. It was a small shop, and we ended up having two shops, and they were in uh, arenas. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, and then we also had a, a van that we went on the road. And sold things at different tournaments, and it sounds small, but we did okay, um, but it was a huge, huge learning curve
0: and what was the primary lesson you learned?
1: Um, actually, I learned a few lessons because prior to that, I'd gone to college and studied social work, and in that I, it was psychology, sociology, uh, communication skills, and it was all about people. and I was saying well how does what does this have to do with business?" But I discovered it has a lot to do with business. And again, as I mentioned, I was running on fear. So one of the things I did was in the town where I lived, I went to business people and just said, help, can you teach me about business? I mean, Mm -hmm. I was young and naive enough that um, I didn't know that maybe that wouldn't have been a cool thing to do. And I didn't know it was called networking uh, and mentoring. I had no clue. I was just scared. And what I learned from the people that I thought were really successful in my mind was that they were also very humble and they parked their ego at the door. And they were masters at asking questions of customers and making decisions based on what people really wanted. And, of course, now we call it market research. And, and by the way, this is pre-internet, so I know I'm dating myself yet again, and it's in that other century we had a little while ago. Um,
0: the most immediate and, predecessor. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that other time. Uh, but I, that was a real eye opener for me. That, it's we can get confused with what we think the market wants, versus what they're asking for. And it was quite a life lesson to learn to to get out of my own way and ask a lot of questions.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So and what I think, sorry. Go well, ahead. what
0: what happened to that business?
1: Oh, we sold it after six and a half years. I went into early retirement, which was in my mother's backyard for about six months to which she said, yeah, enough, go on, do something else. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Now, this is my early market research. I'm pulling back all the curtains now. And so I went around and I asked people, is there anything you've seen me do that you think I'm good at? And uh, and you know, when you ask a question like that, you have to be prepared for any type of answer because you're really setting yourself up. But what I kept hearing was, well, you're really good at business and you know how to talk to people. I thought, well, that's wonderful, but how do I make a career out of it? So I went, I became very good at asking questions and I asked questions like, where would somebody use skills like this? And I literally networked my way into business training programs and started to teach other entrepreneurs the lessons learned that I had learned.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then from that, I went on to teach consultants how to start businesses, run businesses. Uh, And the real focus for me was on marketing because I got it and I understood it. It just became innate for me. And then that eventually transitioned into this business. Interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: Very cool. So what what are the biggest obstacles that you see that stand in the way of most small business owners or entrepreneurs when it comes Mm -hmm. to growing their business?
1: I think we get too close to our own business and we lose perspective. And the biggest challenge that I have seen in the past and I'm really seeing today is that as As people's skill set as a a business, as your skill set grows, you start to be able to offer more solutions to people. And now my market uh, is typically uh, small to mid-sized businesses that are Mm service-oriented. And as we know, so so as we get more skill sets and more that we can offer, people have a hard time being able to describe what it is they do. Because, again, they're just too close to it and they're focusing on the solutions instead of what people really want to buy. And I know this sounds basic, but the thing is that most people don't know that what you have is what they need. Hmm, And today, yeah, they they just don't. And so people, because we get so myopic about our own business, so we're so, you know, I, I provide this service, I provide that service, I'm in financial planning, or it's IT, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what people are looking for when they're doing Google searches. They're typing in, how do I fix the people problem in my company? How do I uh, fix my computer? How do I boom, boom? Or where do I find? And what I'm discovering is that more than ever for small businesses, you really need to bring in an objective outsider to help you sort out and be able to describe what it is you do in languaging that really resonates with your customer. And so, that translates into everything from what's on your website to how you introduce yourself at a networking event to even when you ask for referrals. Like I got a client right now who called me because they said, you know what? We've been doing great work and we've been asking customers for referrals and they're going, we'd love to, but we don't know how to describe what you do. And none of your marketing materials really explain it well either.
0: Yeah, that's your responsibility, if you're asking for a referral, to be able to describe what it is you do, obviously, right? It you know? is. So.
1: Unfortunately, we're too close to our own business. And we just, most people, you're so busy, especially small to mid size, you're in the trenches, you're doing the work, that that's a whole other skill set is being able to really look at it from the customer's point of view.
0: Well, if, all right. So, yeah, we had a little bit of a, you yeah, I know, with as as a consultant myself, I think it's it's a great idea to bring in someone from the outside too. Sure. To do that, but you know how do how do people really begin to self assess the situation, saying, "Look, sure, we really, we really we really need this help in me identifying those areas because."
1: Yeah, and 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 I, and I should preface: you don't always have to bring somebody in. So let me you know let me preface that: um, it can be helpful. And sometimes bringing somebody in from the outside is is talking to your customers. But here are the things that people really need to answer.
0: Well, and, be, and let's hold on for a second because yeah. we want to get to that. But I think you're you made a key point. Is right. This is yeah great. Hire a consultant if there's somebody you trust that could help you with that. But Correct. it could be you have an advisor to the company. It could be you have a mentor. It could be as you said a customer that you bring in to help you. But somebody that's not in your company per se is find That trusted source you can use to help you gain some perspective.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely because and there's one thing I tell people it's kind of to do the Aunt Sally test. And what I mean by that is cuz most of us if you ask your immediate family to describe what you do, they can't describe it. I don't know, something with I don't know, <laughs> something helps, with computers. Yeah, they help people do blah blah blah. So the Aunt Sally test is you ask somebody that you trust, who's going to tell you the truth, but not somebody who's going to tell you what you want to hear because there are a lot of people who, you know, will make nice to look at your website, look at your LinkedIn profile and just, you know, look at it, you know, quickly the way a customer do and then come back and answer these questions. What do you think I do? Who do you think my customers are? And what price range do you think my services are in? Low, medium and high. Now, somebody doesn't have to understand the the observer like psychology of colors or um how words impact how we make decisions. But just based on those questions, it's amazing the feedback you'll hear from people, and you'll find out if you're hitting the mark or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. great point. Yeah. All right. So what's the first step then once they've done this assessment? They brought somebody in from the outside, help yeah. them sort of define what it is that they, they do and who they do it to. Uh, right. What's that next first step then for them to say okay we want to get on a growth path? You know, we're tired of just being sort of stagnant here. What's sure. What is that first? Is it setting goals? I mean, what's
1: I no, I think we it's even stepping back before that and it's building a more a solid foundation because businesses go through growth cycles and things change. So the first thing you want to look at is so maybe the first goal is we need clarity. And the clarity is let's let's just have a a meeting here And get clear about who is our ideal client today. Because we outgrow clients as our services grow and things become more sophisticated. So who is the ideal client? And where I notice that people get tripped up is they'll say something like, well, um, I'm small to mid-sized business. I used to focus on entrepreneurs, but now my skills are more advanced. And I'm going into the small to mid-sized market. And so I'm focusing on CEOs. So then they might write their marketing material geared towards what they think is um, uh, a professional level. But what they don't realize is they could be alienating that person. So even if you say it's going to be a CEO, then you've got to get into that person's headset. And where are they coming from? And one of the questions I'll ask, and these are the same questions you can ask yourself, is, okay, how busy is that person? And typically you'll hear, they're very busy. Okay, so are they going to be able to read sentences that are a paragraph long? in your marketing stuff? Or are you going to lose their attention? Lose their attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are they going to, the language that you're writing in, are they familiar with your industry and your industry lingo? Nine out of 10 times, no. But you see the person thinking, well, I've got to sound this professional because I'm dealing with other professionals, but they're missing the mark. And so then we get into, okay, so why do you think they're coming to you? And inevitably comes down to very simplistic problems. And it doesn't matter what the industry is. Something isn't working, something needs to be fixed. And I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then it becomes, okay, so now let's look at all of our solutions. So let's find out, you know, and, and all that is, and you just have to go back and say, okay, when somebody called or talked to us, what was the initial problem that they had us come in and fix? Because usually something else is revealed once you get in there. And once you can figure out what the initial problem is and say, okay, so what are the solutions that we have? And you start to match them up. So you can take all your solutions list and for each one you go, so what? What problem, what does it fix? What does it solve? And that's really what you're writing about in your marketing materials, what becomes the content for your conversations, What you when you ask for referrals and you could do a referral sheet to people, these are the key trigger things that you'd hear somebody would say they'd have a problem with this, this, and this. Because remember, not everybody knows that what you have is what they need.
0: Well, and the key aspect of that, though, really is focus. right? It's, you know, one of the problems I see with small business clients is that they have sort of the fear of missing out syndrome. So instead of more tightly defining their niche around what they're really good at and the value yeah. that they bring to customers, is they try to hedge their bets. And so then this, everything starts getting a little squishy in terms of their focus and their marketing plans and their sales plans.
1: Are you talking about the trying to be all things to all people syndrome? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I said I call it the fear of missing out syndrome, but it's, it's, you know, they hate to preclude any option because somebody may call us and want this. And even though they're not in your ideal customer profile.
1: Yeah. And one of the things, and I get it, and I see that a lot too. And especially because markets are crowded and we think we have to be all things. And I also think that that's happening more now because our solutions are becoming more complex. And more of us are solving more problems for people. But if you lead with that, you'll freak people out. And yeah. the reality is that if experts get paid because you're an expert in a niche area. Right. And that's where you've got to find out, okay, so what's the real pain point of the person who's coming to you? The solutions you provide could be under the umbrella of that, but you've really got to identify the pain point.
0: Exactly. That's that one thing that's really going to draw them yeah. in. Yeah, Yeah, and you talk about that in a blog post that you posted called About the Law of Attraction. Yes. So why don't you explain briefly how you use the Law of Attraction to help define your ideal customer profile?
1: Sure. Well, it's pretty simple. Like attracts like and i know people say well that sounds pretty out there and woo woo but the reality is if you think about your own life and the people that you hang out with typically they are people if you like them of course they're people (laughs) that uh you have similar interests or hobbies um you might go to the same groups or the same clubs i mean that's what we do like attracts like and it's the same with your clients so in 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 marketing You want to really, and this gets back to, so who are you really selling? So we go back to that CEO. They're busy. Um, They may not know about my industry, but they know about their problems that they have. So if like attracts like, I need to write everything that I put out there, even how my look and feel of my website is geared towards their issues and how they would search and what they would be looking for and what they would be attracted to. Because, yes, there are lots, there's lots of competition, but people go to specific vendors because it meets specific needs. And that's where you need to really understand your customer and what motivates them and what they're looking for. And then you make sure that everything you have from your tagline to, and even the language, even the sentence lengths that you use. You know, are they busy people? Make things short. Like attracts like.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I have a a different way of saying the same thing, which is another take that people have on the law of attraction, which is that positive perceptions produce positive results. Yes. And so, and it's sort of one of the uses of the law of attraction is the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. right? And so, an example given academically. So, yeah, think about that. If you are being, as you talked about, being extremely focused and you've got that one key thing you're keying in, like attracts like, it's you're creating this perception in their mind that you can solve that problem, that one key problem, and that's going to produce a positive result for you.
1: Yeah. And, and just, and now I know that'll freak people out. Well, I solve more than one problem. Maximum is, is focus on three. There's also another rule in marketing and it's the the law of three, anything after three. So you could, we, so you could say we do everything from blah, blah, to blah, blah, to blah, blah. So, and it implies there's things in between, but you pick the key, three key issues that your per- people are having a problem with, and that could be your focus. Uh, if you put any more than three, research has shown that people just check out and they don't read it.
0: Yeah, they can't identify with it. No. Right? If you say, we solve everything from soup to nuts, well, I know, but what's, what's in there? Yeah. As opposed to, you said, bring out one, two, or maximum three things that you do, yep. people identify that once they bring you in the door. Mm-hmm. And you do a good job, they'll let you solve right. help them with things from soup to nuts, but you gotta get in the door first.
1: Right. And to qualify it, it's in what are those three things? That's where people get hung up too. So it's either three problems that you solve or solutions that you provide, which is can be different from um, now we're getting to kind of the features and benefits discussion, but it can be different from, You know, we're IT pros. Well, people don't hire IT pros. They hire people to solve specific problems or provide specific solutions. That's what your focus is on.
0: Right. All right. Great. So we're going to take a short break here. But before we go, I'm going to pose a hypothetical scenario to you, one that I pose to every one of my guests. Mm -hmm. And I'll take your answer after we come back from the break. So here it is. You've been hired as a new sales manager at a company whose sales have stalled. Okay. Look into a sales turnaround senior management has a real big focus on this. They're really anxious for something to happen quickly. So on your first week on the job, what two things would you do that could have the biggest impact? So think about that, and I'll be back after the break with my guest, Kelly McCormick. Hi, this is Andy. Connect & Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect & Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Kelly McCormick, founder of Outsell Yourself, and author of the book by the same title, outsell yourself, go from hello to sold with ethical business and sales techniques. So, before the break, I would posed a scenario for you: new sales manager hired into a company needs to do a sales turnaround. What two things would do in the first week that would have the biggest impact?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I, I'm going to start with what I wouldn't do because <laughs> I think that could have a negative impact. Is come in thinking that you have all the solutions you mm-hmm. may have, but I really think, and again, this gets back to this whole conversation we were having earlier there 's tremendous benefit in talking to people because you want you want to get their buy in to get on board with anything that you 're going to introduce, but there's tremendous benefit in asking them their opinions there being the sales reps, what do you think has been working well, and what do you think isn 't working well, and why okay and I would be gathering information and data because. I really find the source has a lot of information for you. It's going to tell you a tremendous amount about the culture, um, where people are at. You could get great suggestions. uh, You may not have to reinvent the whole wheel. Uh, There could be some stuff that has worked well, but maybe it fell away by the wayside because somebody had a great idea. And then I would be feeding it back to people, okay, here's what I heard, and let's look at how we can build upon this. So now you've got everybody's buy-in. People are starting to feel a sense of uh, being part of the team rather than being talked to. Because remember, you're an outsider who's come in and then people's noses get out of joint. There's a lot of ego stuff that goes down. And I just think it could be far more productive to do it that way. Okay. Good. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, I just build on... I, I'm really big on f- establishing a foundation and building on that. And that would be it.
0: All right. So along that line. Sure. So, one of the problems I see with often small, and mid-sized businesses is they don't have a business plan.
1: Uh huh. You
0: know, they don't have a roadmap. Yeah. Yep. To me, that's so essential. It's not like, well, it's not like it's the end-all, be-all. But I mean, you right. need you need to have that roadmap because there's some thought that goes into it, and you're being conscious about the actions and sure. deliberate about the actions you're taking. So, should small businesses have a business plan? It seems like you think they should, and and what should it look like?
1: Um. Uh. That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's that old expression, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So yeah, I think there needs to be a business plan. Now, how formal or involved that can be, uh, can vary from company to company, depending on what's already in place. But I, we, we need to have goals, where are we headed? And what are we shooting for? And then I'm really big on, once that's in place, breaking things down into 30, 60, 90 day actions because I noticed that uh, people can be really great at having all these, you know, we'll brainstorm this, this, and this, and it's like, okay, well, how are we going to get it done? When is it going to happen? And does it fit with our overall vision?
0: And I think people make the mistake of uh, to a point you made, is they make a mistake of trying to decide sort of what concrete things they're going to do too far into the future as opposed to really focus on yeah, here's what we're going to do the next 30 days, and maybe this is yep. what we plan on doing the 90, and what we do beyond 30 days is going to be built on based upon what we accomplished in this first 30.
1: Right. And there's something else I've been seeing too, and especially because uh, you introduced it at the beginning when you talked about you know, things are moving so fast in business today, and I think people are feeling extreme pressure because of it. And I'm noticing that people are, are really in more in reaction mode than planning mode than they've ever been. And I'll I'll even get that when I'm working with people. It's like, okay, we'll have the plan. And then it's like, okay, you know, uh, we didn't get the job we were going to get. Well, and we should be doing this. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. How does that fit with where we're going? And is it the right decision? And it may be or it may not. But people really need to ground themselves and like, okay, wait a minute. Why are we making these decisions? And how does it fit? And is it the right decision? Because otherwise, you're just always going to be in reaction mode. And it doesn't necessarily work.
0: Yeah, and one of the real to me, it seems like one of the real downs downfalls of being in the reaction mode is that you and I saw this with a client I was speaking with this morning is that it was the conversation was about what pieces of business are you not going to take? Yeah, right. Because here's here's yeah. here's here's what you focused on. Yeah. This is this is the niche or niches that you've identified. Yeah. That you want to be in, and all these other things that you always these little small orders you take are just distracting you. Yeah. And taking sales time and marketing time and implementation resources away from focusing on the customers that are going to get you to your goal.
1: And I think that's a real, you know, I, I, boy, you, I, I really resonate with that because I think what happens to people is it's great to be in the planning stage, but then we get insecure. It's like, can we really get what, what it is we're looking for? If we're going to make a leap up in our business or go after more specialized stuff and then taking the, the small stuff that comes in and you're absolutely right. It just drains resources and then the great plans don't go places because it takes courage to make leaps and faith.
0: Right. So how do you, how do you work with your clients to help them understand that?
1: I always go back to the foundation. Who do you really want and why do you want it? And I think the, the other question is, is that why question because often people want to make a change and, and it's like, well, what's your motivator for making the change? Is it because it's a passion? Is it a fear? Because fears seldom build businesses. Passions build businesses.
0: Well, did fear build your first business?
1: I think that what fear did is it motivated me, but it went as far as it could go. Because um, it can be it can be a drain after a while. It can yeah. be an absolute drain of time, energy, and resources. And I think it becomes um, just like a, the hamster wheel. Well, yeah, you have to be... Yeah. Someone
0: said you have to be running towards something, not away from it.
1: Yeah, and I think at a certain point it was like, okay, you know, we've gone as far as we can go, and and I've got to do things differently. And I think part of that also was my age, because with experience becomes, you know, you start to get a track record of knowing that okay, it worked before. I d- I have to have faith and know that this will work again. But mm-hmm. when you don't have that, I think it's like, oh my goodness.
0: Well, okay. I mean, so sort of taking back to the planning part a little bit, is, sure. is that you know, you're know you an expert in marketing strategies, or you do a lot of your work in marketing strategies. Yeah. It seems like, again, small enterprises have a hard time balancing their investment between marketing and sales. Yes. So how, how do how do they do that? How do they decide what is that right balance? Because right? oftentimes, and some of it's, I know it's personality driven, some entrepreneurs are just more comfortable with marketing and the thought of making a sales call it drives them crazy, or other times they're Really good salespeople, but you know, rely exclusively on you know cold calling or something to do lead gen instead of investing appropriately in marketing to help with that.
1: I think it. I think it. There's two triggers that happen for people to kind of make that decision. One is, and I might have alluded to this, but it, it's that state where people get into where okay, the the stuff we did in the past isn't working. We're not getting the referral business that we were getting. We're not getting the repeat business. Something has to change. And we have to do something differently. And they may not know that it's marketing. It may just be something has to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that often becomes a trigger. And so then, but it's, you don't just run out and do the marketing. You have to step back. And that's all the stuff we talked about up front of like, okay, so who are we marketing to? What is it that they need? What is the languaging that they would use? So then it goes back to that. So that's one motivator to to make a decision but sometimes it doesn't become we have to market it's just something has to change because we're not getting business Mm -hmm. the other trigger point that i've noticed for marketing well there's one it could be um event driven because somebody's maybe going to be doing a uh, promoting something so that's kind of a given but the other one is when a business is going to take it to the next level and that's what we talked about before especially if it's services where you know, if you're doing your job right and you continue to learn and you're continuing to hone your own skills, it gets to a point where you can offer them to a a different level of clientele. And that's when it becomes okay, now we have to look at how do we market this? And marketing has two steps really. It's first it's putting the foundation in place where the message is consistent in everything on your uh, website, your LinkedIn profile, and that translates into how you describe stuff and then what you even talk about on, in sales conversations with people and what you focus on.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So that's how marketing dovetails even into sales.
0: Right. Very interesting. Well, cool. Well, we're going we're gonna to move to the last segment of our show All right. uh, where we have some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me okay. one-word answers or you can elaborate as you wish. Okay. Are you ready?
1: I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what's okay. the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Listening. Name one tool you use for sales or sales management that you can't live without.
1: One tool. First thing that came to mind is LinkedIn.
0: Okay. That's how you prospect for new customers.
1: And it's also how I research customers. I learn a lot about them. It's how I connect with people, and it's also how people find me. One of the ways that people find me.
0: Okay. So who's your sales role model?
1: Wow. huh? <laughs> okay. I, I the first name that came, which I was kind of surprised me, is Oprah, and it's like, well, why would Oprah be a sales no. role model?
0: <laughs> Actually, you're not <laughs> the first one to say that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the and. And kudos to her because she's really, really tapped into uh, understanding what people need and want. And when she hasn't, she's admitted it. And when she's done that and done it well, she's been extremely successful. And she also knows about surrounding herself with other experts to help her get to where she is. I mean, she's got a tremendously brilliant business model. Yeah. And, it, and again, and that's fueled by passion, which gets back to that question of, is it fueled by fear or passion?
0: Yeah, in the long run, passion is is a better oh, motivator. Huge. Yeah. Unless you're just unless the fear is you don't have enough money to, to feed yourself, then fear can be good to get you to a certain point. But at some point that has to be guided by passion.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So what's the one book that you'd recommend every one of your clients read?
1: I, I don't have a book title. I think it's more of whatever your problem is at the time, focus on that and don't get off kilter. Thinking it's everything else. Trust your own instincts on what it is you need to learn and seek out that book.
0: Okay. And do it constantly or continuously, <laughs> right? Is you know, always oh, be I've, always be reading something.
1: I'm always, yeah, I I I'm a big proponent of of learning on the go. It's huge.
0: Got it. All right. Next one is a really hard question. So, what's your favorite music to listen to to sort of pump yourself up for <laughs> an important meeting?
1: Okay, so when I had the business in my 20s, it probably would have been um, some head banging, <laughs> adrenaline pumping. Um, I can do anything kind of music. And I've now learned to put on mellow music to ground myself because I find that the best strategy for me is to be grounded and focused and set an intention even before the call of, okay, what is my intention for this call and what do I want to get out of it? so that i and that's really guess that goes back to the thing about you know should you have a plan i even plan in those little increments
0: yeah very good yeah so what's the first sales activity you do every day
1: um for me one of the things i do is social media i keep up my social media accounts to get my name out there i also check email to see, okay, what's come in, what's new, what needs my attention. And then I set my plan for the day. What's my focus on today?
0: Right. Last question for you. Mm -hmm. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by your clients? Small business
1: ownership. Sure. What do I need to do? And then fill in the blank.
0: <laughs> so your answer is fill in the blank.
1: No, theirs is what do I need to do to blah yeah. blah, blah, blah blah or blah 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 blah? Because typically they come to me when they something isn't working or something needs to change. So what do I need to do?
0: So if someone says, I want to grow sales, yeah, what, what's your answer?
1: If somebody says they want to grow sales, mm-hmm. I I first thing I want to do is I want to find out what have you been doing. I want to find out where they're at. I don't start jumping in and start shooting solutions. I really need to understand where they're coming from, what they've done, who they are, what works for them. Because there are a lot of different ways to do things, but it also has to match where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest has been Kelly McCormick, founder of Outsell Yourself. Kelly, tell people how they can find out more about you.
1: Sure. Well, my website is out, O-U-T, sell, S-E-L-L, com, And I've got a contact form there with information that you can phone number. Everything you need is in that little world.
0: Excellent. Okay. And Twitter, if people want to follow you on Twitter.
1: Sure, it's Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, underscore.
0: Oh, underscore. Okay, nothing after the underscore. Okay, great. So remember, friends, make it a part of your day, every day, to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Kelly McCormick who share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more
1: information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.